and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today we're on part five of our Tourism Awards special. Welcome back. Hi, thank you. I missed you last week. Oh, I missed being here last week, but you did a great job. Thanks, Michelle. Well, thank you. It was just the introduction, but anyway, it's always a lot easier to have someone to chat to on the other end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Anyway, yeah. I hear there's a bit of excitement down your way with a bit of snow this morning. Yeah, I think it's like this heat. It's about 15 centimetres on the car when I went to clear it to get to the office. Wow. So, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, well, we're We've got some skiers lined up to go up on the glacier on Thursday and Friday to wrap up our ski, the Tasman. Um, so they're going to have an absolute ball because there's more snow overnight tonight and tomorrow clearing. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, I saw that Cadrona had 22 centimetres of snow this morning as well. So, yeah, a little late burst for them, which is great because they probably need that after the season that we've had. <laughs> Not snow-wise, but just all these lockdowns and our poor mates, another week. And level three point two or whatever the level. I know. Thanks for doing it tough, Auckland. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. But hang in there, guys. One of the things that I've loved seeing this week, though, is some of the brands getting in behind the vaccination messaging that's going on. And as you know, Chambers, I'm a massive Country Road fan. <laughs> I think my entire wardrobe is Country Road. Yes. But they're giving away $100,000 worth of wardrobes to their members if they're fully vaxxed. Now, I know there's a lot of um, people out there who have made the choice not to be vaccinated, and that's fine. But that means mm-hmm. that more of us who are are in the draw to win the, the war. Yeah. <laughs> Eliminating competition. There you go. Absolutely, absolutely. But one of the favourites I saw this week was, I don't know if you've seen the AF drinks, so they're alcohol-free drinks, mm-hmm. and they were launched by the founder of Eat My Lunch, so the social enterprise in Auckland, whereas if you buy a lunch, you pay for a child's lunch at the same time. Oh, yeah. These AF drinks. And they have put a T-shirt out that says Vaxxed AF on the front of it. And I loved it. And, of course, I'd never bought any of these drinks before. But as you know, I've pretty much given up alcohol this year. So I jumped on their website, bought some cucumber gin and tonic without mm. the alcohol. And I've got a T-shirt. So, yeah, it's on its way. Can't wait to rock that this summer with my Vaxxed AF. So shout out to them. Lisa, if you're listening Happy for you to send us some freebies. Yeah, good, cool. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But no, just well done to all the businesses that are doing their bit to get the country vaccinated because as an industry, we absolutely need it. Yes, we do. And as a country, we need it too, you know, yeah. just to be able to open up those borders and get life resuming. And we're seeing some great stuff happening overseas. So yeah, it'd be great to be catching up with those people too, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we have a big episode this week, so we better crack into it. Um, But first, there's a couple of things that we wanted to chat about. 
Yeah, tourism has been accepted as a new NCEA subject in secondary schools commencing 2023, which is brilliant news. Because yeah. there's a lot of work into lobbying, advocating, and of course, encouraging submissions on that. So huge congratulations to everyone involved, don't you reckon, Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. And I got involved in the little LinkedIn um, project that they had going where they oh, wanted everybody to put a story and a photo of how they got into tourism. And so yeah, found dug out some pretty embarrassing photos from the late 90s and shared those <laughs> with my LinkedIn followers and obviously put a submission in as well. So great news that tourism is finally recognised as an NCEA subject and gives a little bit of kudos to what we're doing and adds a little bit of weight to the tourism portfolio and obviously really chuffed to see that. The other thing is I know things are really tough in tourism at the moment and most of you listeners know that my day job is working as a marketing strategist and consultant with many tourism businesses throughout New Zealand. So I've decided to create a list of 101 ways to supercharge your marketing and I'm giving that away for free. Oh, wow. So, yes. How do we get a copy? Well, you just, it's easy. Just go onto my website. You'll see a little subscription banner there. Just subscribe to my newsletter. And don't worry, I'm not going to spam you because I don't have time for that. And I know <laughs> you don't have time for that. But what I'm going to do is wrap up every month all of the tips that I find throughout that month and send them to you in one packet. And, of course, you can unsubscribe at any point as well. So, yeah, just subscribe to my newsletter and you will get the 101 tips straight away in your inbox. Well, that sounds awesome. I'll sign up shortly. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so on to our special guests today, Chambers. Yeah, absolutely. So our first guest needs absolutely no introduction as we met him last week. It's Matt Stenton from Go With Tourism. And this week we're talking about their finalist entry in the Tourism New Zealand Industry Collaboration category. Yes, and following on from Matt, we chat with Alex Dykeman. Well, actually, I chat with Alex because you be <laughs> cleaning your house, Chambers. <laughs> Alex is from Maverick Digital Tourism Marketing, who are finalists in the Tourism Talent Employer of Choice Award. Now, this is a great story. And as you can appreciate, being a finalist in the Employer of Choice means that it, they are great employers. And it does honestly sound like a fabulous place to work. But passionate about empowering tourism to embrace change through technology. Alex is the founder of Maverick Digital, which is a digital agency working exclusively with tourism. And in doing so, Alex has helped to lead the charge in a new era of digital transformation for our industry. Alex currently leads a staff of 16 tourism marketers and through a culture of workplace wellness, staff engagement and career development, she is dedicated to making Maverick one of the best places to work in New Zealand. Currently experiencing huge growth, Maverick was recently named 250 in the Deloitte Fast 500 for Asia-Pacific technology businesses. Wow. I can't wait to listen to that interview as I missed it. Yeah. And it's going to be great. And last but definitely not least, we welcome another double finalist to the show, James and Tori Burns from the Russell Orongo Bay Holiday Park. In 2018, James and Tori were offered the opportunity to buy the Russell Orongo Bay Holiday Park. Russell had always been a special place for them. They were married there five years earlier in Christ Church, NZ's oldest working church. The Holiday Park had always been a magical place for them to stay. It's set in 14 acres of native bush 
And the night sky is magnificent with Kiwi calling all around and a Kiwi trail to explore as well. It is the home to some rare birds. The Ornithological Society identified 55 species of birds in one day. Only due to ill health, the previous owners agreed to sell them the park with a verbal agreement that they would continue their conservation work to protect this special place for future generations. Tori has a background in senior management roles in business and accounting, local government and health insurance sectors. James is an entrepreneurial businessman and electrician. And as newbies to the tourism industry and big debts hanging over them, it has been a roller coaster few years and they have had to pivot, diversify, be resilient and use innovative ideas to survive. Today, we're chatting to them about their finalist entry in the Westpac's Resilience and Innovation Award. And what an interview it is too. Absolutely. And one last thing, we have a competition this week. So yay! <laughs> yay. Last week we heard from Yaron from Dive Tutakaka. And what a great story and business he has up there. They mm -hmm. have kindly donated a trip for two out to the Poor Knights Island. So this is a super easy one to enter. Just head to our Facebook or Instagram pages, find the post that talks about this competition and tell us why you should win. Yes, super easy. We will announce a winner right here next week on the podcast. So keep listening to see if it's you. But after you've finished listening to this episode, go straight to our Facebook and Instagram pages and enter there and share with your mates because they might yeah. want to enter too. And if they win, they might take you. Yes, good point. Good point. And we still have the other competition running until the 23rd of November, don't we? We do, yes, the Dart River one. So if this is your favourite episode, jump on the website. All of the links in our bios will head you straight to the competitions page on our site. There's a little form you fill out and literally all you have to do is say, this is my favourite episode. And to be fair, it's probably going to be one of the top ones. Yes, <laughs> I would say so. But they're all popular at the moment. We're getting so much good feedback. But anyway, we better get onto the show because we've got three great interviews and lots to talk about. So we'll chat to you all next week. See you then. Kakate. Well, kia ora, and we welcome back Matt Stenton to the show. Hopefully you all listened in when we interviewed Matt about his finalist nomination in the Tourism Industry Champion Award. If not, you need to go back and have a listen. But today we're going to discuss Go With Tourism and their finalist entry into the Tourism New Zealand Industry Collaboration Award. Welcome back, Matt, and it's so good to see you again. So good to see and hear you lovely ladies again. <laughs> kia ora, Matt. <laughs> kia ora. Matt, can you tell us a bit about your project and how you collaborated together? Yeah, the, the one we focused on for this application was our school education program. And we run that in every single school in New Zealand that allows us in, basically. And it's aimed at year 11, 12 and 13. And our goal is to go in and promote uh the shit out of tourism and hospitality basically <laughs> that is it and we do it through using interactive virtual reality tools we do it through using competitions we do it through using heroes people that sound like them look like them come from the same background as them we don't plug like go and study at this school but what we do is look at all the schools available what is right for you you want to be an accountant do you know that you can be an accountant in tourism mm. you want to go and start a business do you know that you can be an entrepreneur in business and then we partner with like service 
IQ, Joy Business Academy. And then we have hundreds and hundreds of other partners that are on our books that also come in and speak to the schools or offer for mills or opportunities for the students. And then obviously part of that is our Pledge of Placement program, where we place young individuals into placements, whether being volunteer or an internship or paid. And then we hopefully get them into roles, which is the other side that we do, which is the Tinder for Tourism side, where we connect them in by making sure that we find a business and an employee, we get their skill sets and we match them being right fit. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we partnered. And then one other side that we mentioned in the application was during COVID's hardest hitting time last year in 2020, we switched on our displaced workers service and we switched that on and we assisted thousands of employees who literally at that time had been made redundant, let go, or Mm -hmm. didn't know what was next. And that was because we didn't have the certainty on the wage subsidy or the resurgent payment back then. Once that kicked in, a lot of them actually got rehired again or were paid for a certain period. But we did lose up to 90,000 people, and we are proud to say that we supported thousands of them and actually saved some lives because, unfortunately, we had some pretty horrible situations where we had individuals trying to take their lives on the phone, mm-hmm. and it was pretty pretty heartbreaking to hear their stories. But what we did to ensure that we could get them into roles, especially because mo- mo- many of them were migrant workers, mm. was, and, and, and I say it as a joke, and I'll say it on the podcast because I think your viewers will like it. We partnered with so many people that were outside of tourism and hospitality. We had so many partners that I am amazed we did not get an STI because literally (laughs) we had everyone. We had supermarkets, we had warehouses, we had postie, security, you name it, forestry. We partnered with thousands of people to ensure that anyone that came through our books had an opportunity to find work somewhere else. And even though it wasn't in our industry that we love, we knew that we were doing the right thing by them to make sure that they could have some money and they could live. So that's a little bit about what we put in our application and why we thought we were pretty good at collaborating. Wow. (laughs) And that must have been a pretty tough time for your team as well last year, hearing some of those stories and having to live that with the people who had been displaced out of the industry? Yeah, well, first of all, that's when a lot of my national team came on board. So that week (laughs) that we went into lockdown, we literally had, so we could see it, my my operations manager and I, what was going on. And the first day that they all landed, we were like, this is not looking good. Like uh, there's a potential here. We might have to give the money back to government and and, and go away because we can't do what we're doing. So anyhow, we did all the normal things, the activities, like took them on whitewater rafting, team building and all that. And at nighttime, what they didn't know was we were going, they know this now, but we would go back to the office and work till three or 4 a.m. coming up with solutions to obviously one, look after our team, which was, first priority if I was to be completely honest Mm. and the reason why we started looking at what other things could be but actually two the other most important thing was what are we going to do for our industry because it's going to get decimated and it's going to happen and it's going to happen really really quickly and at that stage no one was guessing what we were looking at doing so we pulled together a proposal that Wednesday after we'd done all the fun activities we presented to the team what the realities were every single person jumped in on the bandwagon We made this video proposal for our board and to the government and 24 hours later, we had full sign off. And that week Mm -hmm. after we launched the Displaced Workers Service, TV ads on TV and everything. And we went into our first national lockdown 
and the predictions of what we were seeing overseas happened here in New Zealand, mm. but happened a lot harder. So we obviously had a team of 11. We had to make that team a lot larger because of the amount of phone calls we needed to make a day. Sky City was incredible and gave us six HR people to work for us free of charge. Wow. AT gave us about 15, 20 people. So we we went to a really huge team and we had to make a call center. And you're correct. There was a lot of things that we had worked on, like we may have, what if. Mm-hmm. The what ifs were probably a little bit more hard hitting than we thought. So we partnered with Lifeline and Youthline and they gave us incredible training, especially around suicidal awareness or things to be mindful of or mental health. And then we had to partner with oh, civil defense because that was the only way we could get migrant workers any form of food packages. We couldn't get any money. Oh then we had to partner with MSD. Then we were partnering with immigration because immigration was like, well, if they don't have any money and all that, they can go home. I'm like, well, that's a shit attitude. Where's the manakitanga? You know, they've come and done something for us. And now we're like, cool, sweet, we're done with you. Get home. But by the way, we know you've got no money because you've been sending it home and we're not here to help you. So mm-hmm. our team felt really strongly and we did some amazing things. There's one boy by the name of Riddell who still keeps in touch with me. And he went through a horrible, horrible time, horrible time. And we're talking the way that him and I met is probably not the way one person would like to meet in a really bad place. And he got offered a role after the first lockdown being a chef again. And the government would not let him do it because of the variation. And the variation was going to take three months to go through but this business needed someone. They couldn't find anyone. They'd done all the tests. Mm. And so anyhow, we just got a little bit over it. So all of my team just continued to ring immigration every single day until we changed their minds. (laughs) And anyhow, we got them into the role, but it was, it was a nightmare. And was it the right thing to do at the time? It was probably didn't make me any friends, but you know, that's what this industry is all about we band together and we support one another and even what we did is 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 icing on the cake many others did so much more amazing things but what was so cool was for the first time in my life I saw our industry working in unison and Mm -hmm. all the pillars had been removed no one was working in silos we actually were at the table and sadly this year, I've seen the silos come back out again and yeah. people starting to think that way. But there was a moment there that I was like, man, we're just, we're getting this right. It's awesome. Yeah, mm. absolutely. We've talked a little bit about that collaboration that happened through industry and a little bit disappointing to hear the silos are coming back, but hopefully I'm sure you'll be continuing to work on breaking them down. If we look back to the original project that you had with Go, go with tourism it was very much based out of Auckland hmm. what was the original scope and how has that grown because it's obviously a lot bigger than that now yeah <laughs> it was first um, presented to me as the tourism skills campaign that's what it was called the tourism skills campaign was going to have a little bit of marketing for summer to, to meet the peak season a little bit of information potentially a couple of little quiz things that you could do online and that, that is what it was. And then I'm a big ideas man and went, oh, that's just not going to work for this generation. They're going <laughs> to hate it. And started stripping it back. And then 
went and begged and borrowed and stealed from multiple different people who were underspending at 18 and <laughs> it spent a little bit more than what was planned, if I was to be completely honest, and, and came up with, it was the Tinder for tourism. This was the job connector that was going to change and the marketing campaign was about breaking perceptions, but also people that had voices that could be related to by young people, but also stories that parents and caregivers could go, holy, I could see little grace doing that or i could see sioni going on and doing that and so that's where it, that that's what it was and then i think it was probably the day that we launched and and it was incredible that day we had hundreds of people in auckland for the for the launch and obviously the minister and i just went we have over 100 businesses who have signed up in the last week we've got something here there's there's something here that could be be more and at the same time Tourism Industry Aotearoa had worked on their careers business case and that had been sent to me and I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool, but we're kind of doing the same thing. So that silo thing that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, I tried to get involved with TIA at the start, but they had a lot going on and they're like, look, we're going in this direction. We're moving at quite pace. So I was really cheeky and got in touch with the MBIE and said, look, I really need to be in the room. Can I get in the room? And luckily they said yes, and TIA granted that as well. Probably at that stage, who the hell is this boy? Because no one knew me. They had 22 pillars that they wanted to, to, to look at. So I quietly sat there, asked some questions, went away and rewrote it into three pillars. And those pillars were, we need to educate, attract and promote and upskill and reskill. Mm -hmm. And we need to have better coordination and we need to have better data. So I created a proposal sent to MBIE, they said, look, we need to get you and, MB, uh, you and TIA in the room and boom, the rest is history. We got into the room and we all just went, this makes sense. And Go With Tourism was formed. And then we launched wow. into Queenstown to give it a go. And then we did Northland to give it a go, just so to make sure we could work with all the different kinds of people that are out there and their different wants and needs and different regions and what they, they do. And every region is very different, by the way. And then boom, it, it just happened. And, and now we're everywhere. You are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> That's awesome. And so was it you, Matt, that was involved in the development of the budgets and timelines and objectives? Or did you have a team of people? Or how did that all come together? Yeah, so I'm not proud to say it, but my pitch for National was six slides on a PowerPoint. <laughs> and then I created the budget. I did create the budget. And there's some lessons to be learned there because there was two columns. I remember that we announced in 2019, August 14th. It was my birthday. And the day before my birthday, I got a, a phone call from Steve Hanahan to say, Houston, we've got a problem. I know that you did the budget and then it was sent to us and then it was sent to Treasury and then it was signed off by government. But we've just realized that two columns aren't adding up and there's some money that we need to shave off the budget. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sweet. What, what, like, which ones are not adding up? It just so happened to be salaries. So we're talking about <gasps> a million dollars. Oh um, and so... The night before my birthday, I had to shave off $1 million. And so I was really lucky that I had been trained very well in project management because I had what I called Easter eggs hidden in different <laughs> things because I, you don't know what you're going to not know in three yeah. years. And amazingly crawled that back and we launched and, and we went that way. But yeah, I came up with timeline budgets and then we formed an industry advisory group which is made up of New Zealand Multi Tourism, Hospitality NZ, Restaurant Association, TIA, MBIE and ATED which is now Auckland Unlimited and together they shaped and guided us through what the industry was wanting and needing and we would come back 
with KPIs. Mm-hmm. I hired Will near the end of 2019 and then him and I really got into the nitty gritty and made sure that we could do what it is. But at the start, there was only a couple of us and a lot of them were interns doing amazing work. But yeah, wow, strange to look back on actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's been a lot happened since this all first started because obviously nobody expected COVID in the middle of everything else that's been going on. So in terms of the outcomes that you've achieved, are you happy where you're at and what does that look like? Yeah, it's an. I get asked that one a wee bit. I feel though we've only started to scratch the surface, and mm. I think when we first launched Go with Tourism, I thought we would make a bigger bang straight away. But I realise now it's a gradual bang, and it's gradual change. So for that reason, we're going for another three to five years for Go with Tourism, and I think that's what it needs to really make true impact. Am I happy? Yeah, I'm happy with all the programs we've launched, how many schools we've visited, how many expos we've ran around New Zealand, like we've, we've ran five expos around New Zealand. We just had the latest data come in from, we had near 17,000 people come through the five expos throughout New Zealand this year, but then oh. online we had X amount. So now we've got over a hundred and something thousand people have been touched or have have interacted with our expos either online or in person we obviously have the itinerary which is the fortnightly web-based tv series that we produce that goes out um, we have the pledge of placements we've, we've done more than that we've done more school visits we've placed more people in employment we did the displaced worker service so i'm proud of everything we've done i wish we could do more and then of course to top on that we've been um looking at selling to Australia and we're sub-licensing it over to there, which could be the way that we make this sustainable for the future. So it no longer needs government. It's actually paid for by our cousins or other countries that want it. Mm. So for, for that to happen and to get an evaluation of go with tourism in the millions, I was kind of taken back just like, whoa, that's just crazy. And it's not me pulling out a number. It was PwC giving us a number, which is always nice because, you know, they put their stamp on it and it looks really pretty. But um, yeah, it's (laughs) very official, (laughs) kind of very official, kind of crazy. So very, very proud. And then the videos, obviously, we produce are high quality, like Mike Kim, we're so lucky to have him. Like he worked on Korean Englishman and all these other things. And now he does our amazing stories and narratives, but we've just got a really good team. Yeah. Amazing. You've done a lot, Matt, but don't discredit what you've done. You've done some amazing work there. So thank you and well done to you and your team. You talk about collaboration quite a bit through this interview as well as last one. And I'm just wondering, do you have any tips um, for businesses that are looking to collaborate with others? Yeah, I think, first of all, your idea may be the latest and greatest thing, but share it. There is nothing wrong with sharing an idea. Don't keep it by your heart. Um, Don't keep it guarded. The more people that input is great, but also don't fall into the trap of too many chiefs, you know, because that's really bad as well. I'm a get shit done guy. And if we're just going to work around in circles and someone wants to just put their stamp on it, I have no interest in that. And people Mm -hmm. who wrote with me before know I'm very blunt on that side, which is this is just becoming something that we want to do. So collaboration is why are you collaborating what are you going to get out of it? And why should everyone be at the table? We've just got a new event happening at the end of this year called the Go With Tourism Workforce Wananga, which is finally bringing together, which is, to my understanding and to a lot of other people's first time, unions, associations, educators, industry leaders, local government, central government into one space to work on workforce issues for tourism and hospitality in one space for two days 
fully solution focused. And that wow. is what I call collaboration. And yeah. I convinced Ministry of Business Innovation and Employment to give us the sponsorship for that and Auckland Regional Business Event Fund. It's kind of like my hurrah, my last thing that I wanted to do, which is let's have this amazing wānanga, which we discuss. We come up with solutions. We're not spoken at. It's not about getting presentations. Mm-hmm. You know, these these industry leaders and everyone coming is probably going to get a little bit of a shock because it's a lot of doing and it's <laughs> not a lot of hooey. It's pretty intense. And I really look forward to the two action plans that will come out of that. And that's the kind of collaboration that we need more of. And our industry mm-hmm. is so willing to do it. And I think what we've got to do is remove the red tape from government and listen to those that actually can do the do and let them do. You know, someone said once that our managed isolations should have been either managed by our travel agents or managed by our events people. I 100% hand on heart stand on that. We Mm -hmm. actually are probably more OTT regarding health and safety than most. And if we could have had that shot to do that, I actually promise you, we would have actually, we still would have made mistakes, but not as many. Completely agree, Matt. We've been big advocates of that. And I know right back at the start of this, I was an advocate for the inbound operators handling the MIQ because that's Mm -hmm. what they do. They handle large groups of people every day of the year. And here they are absolutely decimated at the moment with zero revenue. Would have been perfect. Why try and train somebody to do something that they've never done before when you've got skilled people sitting there? So anyway, we won't won't go off on a tangent on that one. But there goes a chance of missed collaboration. You know what I mean? Exactly. Our our government collaborated with some hotels, but that's still coming to cost them. How could we collaborated more? And there's so many ways to ensure that there were more opportunities. And I'm not saying they've done it wrong. I'm not going to poo-poo it because, look, we've done it so much better than most places in the world. But collaboration leads to amazing opportunities yes and hopefully there's a bit of a debrief process in there as well to say okay this is what we did but next time here's all these ideas that have been thrown at us and these are the ones we love and this is what we'll do if there is another global pandemic in the future or something similar that we need to agreed agreed Agreed. so yeah well matt that brings us to the end of our questions and i just want to thank you on behalf of all of our listeners for the great work that you do promoting tourism as a career and i know it's you and your amazing team and congratulations once again on your industry collaboration award finalist um, nomination and we wish you all the best at the awards i'm sure it's going to be a great night and yeah look forward to hearing where you end up in the future at the end of the year. But good luck with everything until then. Thank you so much. We're thrilled. And thank you for having me on today. You're very welcome. No problem. Anytime. Well, I'm here on my own today with another very special guest because don't laugh, Chambers is at home cleaning her house. (laughs) Yes, that's true. But we're showcasing a new category in the Tourism Awards today, and it's one all about the people, which, as we know, is so important in our industry. We're with Alex Dykeman from Maverick Digital, who are finalists in the Tourism Talent Employer of Choice Award. Tanakwe, Alex, and welcome to the show. Kia ora, Michelle. Thanks for having me. This is really exciting. It's awesome. So tell us a little bit about Maverick Digital to start with and what makes you guys different in terms of being an employer of choice? Yeah, totally. So Maverick, um, I started Maverick about 
oh my goodness, I think maybe seven years ago. Yeah, 2014. So nearly seven years ago now from my spare room after seeing kind of a bit of a, a gap in the market for, for helping tourism embrace digital and modern technology, I suppose. Since then, we've kind of grown to an awesome staff. We're 16 people as of today, which is very exciting. Yeah, yeah it's, it's awesome. And we've got our, our headquarters in Auckland and we've also got staff working from Queenstown and Gisborne. So we are a very much a New Zealand-wide agency. Mm-hmm. How are we different? I don't know. So so building this company has been epic because you just get to build a community and a group of people and a way of working that you love yourself. So mm-hmm. I think kind of shrugging off all of these old school ways of hierarchies and you know stuffy corporate workplaces and things like that and just embracing and building the, a culture and a, and a way of working that's that's really fun and exciting every day. We have this we have this idea at Maverick of CX equals EX, right? So it's customer right, yep. experience equals employee experience. So mm-hmm. the best way to lift our game for customers to make them really happy, to make them create these relationships and really value the work we do and see us as a real ally in their workplaces is by us focusing on our employee experience because happy, happy, excited, motivated employees filter all of that goodness through to, to clients. So that kind of underpins our ethos is not focusing on cu- customer support or, or, or customer service. It's focusing on our employees first. Yeah, that sounds great. And we talk a little bit about that in tourism because obviously a lot of tourism operators are face-to-face with their customers a lot of the time delivering that experience in person to them. So how do you manage that being a digital company and not being on site with your customers and still having that experience there for them? I think we have a massive focus on relationships. So we try and speak to our clients kind of weekly or bi-weekly at the, at the very worst. We really prioritize face-to-face connection as well. So mm-hmm. seeing our Aotearoa clients at least a couple of times a year if possible and others throughout the country as well. And there are ways of making the Maverick experience really cool without being there face-to-face, you know? Mm-hmm. So supporting clients or, or buying vouchers or sending them wee packages or flowers of some one's had a cool award all that kind of stuff makes a big difference as well so not having our clients think of us as remote having them think of us as really part of their team is is key I think oh that sounds fun so and how have you managed to stay connected with your team in the past 18 months when we've had to spend so much time at home and I guess you guys being in Auckland especially now these last few weeks what do you do Totally, totally. We have daily kickoff calls every morning, which may seem like a wee bit too much, but it's a cool way to just check in on everybody and make sure that everyone's smiling and and coping and feeling positive about their day. It's also a great way to see if people aren't aren't feeling super bright that day and then follow it up with a one-to-one later on. Every Friday, every second Friday, we get together for virtual drinks at about, you know, two or three-ish, depending on how the week's gone, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And we play like a a quiz game on these apps on our phone. So it's like a a quiz game that allows us to get to know each other better. And it always ends up hilarious. It ends at like six or seven o'clock at night on a Friday in lockdown, which is, which is, um, a really fun way to end the week. So yeah. I think I think just as much connection as possible. We have a client delight MVP, which we run every month, whether we're in lockdown or not. And that is somebody in our team who's gone over and 
above for a client during that month. And we run, we send our client delight MVP packages out, whether we're in the office or not in the office and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I guess trying to make them feel like we're, we're a family. We're not a, we're not this remote workplace that's kind of navigating all, all the pressures of lockdown that we've yeah. got everyone's back and we're here to help. And if you need to have a half day because you're not coping and your kids need to hang out with their mom, that's that's totally sweet, you know? Yep. Yep. So that was going to lead me into my next question in terms of supporting your team's well-being. How do you go about doing that? So we're all about outputs, not inputs. So we we hate clock watching at Maverick. So you can come in at seven and you can you can leave it you know, do a massive day and leave at six that night and get all your deliverables out and then come in late the next morning or not even come in that day or leave super early on a Friday. So it's not about clock watching and the hours that you do. It's about the outputs that you get out during that week, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we're all about flexibility from, from that side of things. What else? We have a employee wellness program as well, where our employees can access free counselling and therapy, which is really great right now. I'm personally really passionate about health and wellness. So we had like a bit of a health and wellness challenge going on through winter. And we've also recently employed our office and wellness manager. So okay. she takes care of office staff, but she's also undertaking a massive well-being piece of work for us internally as well, which is really cool. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's got like a corporate a corporate wellness background yeah. and she calls this her dream job. So she's fizzing and we're doing some personality Myers-Briggs stress management stuff at the moment, mm-hmm. um, which is wicked, but she's kind of like our internal cheerleader for making sure everyone's okay and helping people get through when things are really tough. Hmm. That sounds awesome. So you work with a lot of tourism operators around the country. Do you know of any or many that have wellness offices as a job title? I have not a job title. I think a lot of operators are putting wellness at the forefront of how they're working with their teams right now. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of anyone who's got a dedicated kind of staff member to yeah. it, but I think that wellness discussion is coming up more and more, especially right now with day whatever this is of lockdown and, and people realizing that if they don't take care of their teams right now, they won't have a team to, to navigate summer with. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of more important than it's ever been before, I think. Yeah, and I think we were just talking offline before, but I think that's even important outside of Auckland because obviously there's a lot of tourism businesses suffering from not having their Auckland visitors come to visit over the school holidays. And it's just, yeah, it's important to put that focus, I guess, on well-being and making sure that we're all still there because tourism, it's a tough sell at the moment to get people into tourism. We have been a little bit decimated and we want to keep those great people in our industry. And it's not just come to work, do your job and go home. Yeah, you know, like it, like work. The, the lines between home and work are so blurred these days. So it is it is a part of someone's life as a whole, and it kind of needs to be treated like that, not just as their nine to five job, but it, yeah. it's affecting everything. And if yeah. things have gone really quiet in the October school holidays because us Aucklanders can't get to you, then your staff will be feeling that too for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, what do you do to support your team's professional development and upskilling objectives? Yeah, cool. So we do two things. We have a a professional development kind of investment fund, we call it, Mm -hmm. where people who have been with us for different lengths of time get different amounts of funding to put towards development that aligns with where their career 
focus or their career journey is trying to go. Mm-hmm. We've got someone in our senior leadership team who did a really cool in-depth one-day leadership course about oh, three or so months ago with her funds. We've got others wanting to go to conferences or to do online upskilling certifications, even around that personality understanding and things like that as well. So basically, yeah, an investment fund to go into our staff based on how long they've been with us. And then it's also kind of directed by them, right? Like it's not the manager saying, you need to improve this, you go and do that now. It's like, hey, this this really appeals to me. It aligns with my contribution and my role in the company. How about I, I go and do this, Alex? And, you know, every time we're like, yeah, that, that sounds wicked. Off you go kind of thing. So it needs to be pushed by the staff member themselves. Yeah. Well, there's always yeah. a lot more buy-in when the staff want to do it rather than being told. Totally, totally. you got to have that ownership, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah fully. <laughs> so um, how do you celebrate success at Maverick? How do we, we celebrate success so much. I feel like probably on a week, on a weekly basis, on a normal, we will, we'll go out for team lunches. If we've had a new, a, a big website go live or a big project be pushed out, we'll have drinks, whatever day it is, we'll, we'll have drinks together as a team. We'll, we'll go out for payday lunches. What else do we do? We just, we're quite a tight knit group of people. So we'll often just hang out together socially because we have a great time together as as well as celebrating stuff work-wise. I think making sure that you are spending time together outside of the workplace is really important to building that social culture and celebrating the wins really. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So when you're employing people, are you needing to advertise or are you finding they just, you you stumble across them at events? I know we had a chat with Nicole Botting um, (laughs) and she mentioned that she'd met you at Trends, but is that, is that standard? I'd, I'd imagine that you're building a reputation as a place where people want to come and work. So are they knocking on your doors? And talk to me about that. That's what we're really trying to do is, is building that reputation as a wicked place to work. Yeah. Because if, 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 if people know about you and are attracted to your employer brand before you even have a job opening, then hiring an HR is never going to be that much of a challenge, especially mm. if you've built a really cool place. Once that once they arrive, they want to stay because it's such a cool place and, you know, to, to work and, and feeling supported and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, mostly lately it's it's been people coming to us and us going through a list of people that we may have said on not right now to three or six months ago. I actually had to ring a guy this morning who's been on my waiting list, so to speak, right. for a role to come up. And, and we've got one that's come up that really fits him. Yeah. So I'm trying to, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's almost a bit of doing it ourselves. But some of those real senior roles, like we recently hired a head of partnership, we use tourism talent, which mm-hmm. is fantastic for the very niche kind of senior roles that are tricky to get the right skill combos for. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, overall, we do have a lot of people approaching us at the moment which is which I feel like is success really as an employer of choice like it's not about the awards or the accolades and stuff it's just people are emailing and saying hey Alex have you got anything for me I'm into this this and this and I really want to come and be a part of your team then I think that's kind of that success in itself so yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. So what outcomes, we've talked about a few of them, but what other outcomes have you seen as a specific result of the focus on your team? I guess positivity and productivity is up massively. I mean, yeah. 
especially not 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 during lockdown times and we're all in the office and some aren't obviously working remotely I think yeah I, I think people they're really invested in doing a wicked job and they're so proud of the company or the project or the client when things really fire and, and we get some amazing results so I think people take far more ownership than they would if they're an, a really engaged, passionate employee. So I, yeah, ownership, productivity, and enjoying coming to work. I feel like people really, really love coming to work at Maverick and we genuinely adore spending time together, which sounds really corny, but I think it's <laughs> probably quite true, especially right now. I think we're all yeah. praising it. <laughs> so, so yeah, productivity is wicked, but it, it just brings everyone up. Like if you hate coming to work every day, that rubs off on everyone around you. So if you create a cool place where everyone wants to be and enjoys contributing to and feels a real sense of ownership for the work that they do, then that benefits clients, but also Mm. the rest of the team as well. So definitely. Yeah. And clients would definitely notice that. I obviously worked with a lot of agencies in my career and you can tell the ones that have a really cool culture and get on and they're happy to share the workload and some of the tasks across their team, whereas there's others that I've worked with who have just been, you're stuck with an account manager and they don't want anybody else to know what they're doing. And it's it's actually frustrating because as a person who's needing an agency, you want the full support of the agency, not just one. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, collaboration is so important, right? So it's like, I don't know all the answers myself. I'm going to reach out to all our different teams within Maverick Mm. to pull the best solution together for a client. Yeah, and I, I shouldn't gatekeep that. I should, I should, you know, want want to weave in performance and delivery and projects to create this awesome client experience. And I guess, it's, yeah, it's that culture of collaboration and having each other's backs. I mm. think um, that that really shines through for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I saw recently you've given all of your team a hundred dollars to spend in the local community I've really enjoyed watching all of them talk about (laughs) it on social media and where they've been spending their dollars I just have to say congratulations that's a really cool initiative to support support local thank you thank you it wasn't um, it wasn't our idea we saw the staff team doing it and Tim and I were like this is wicked let's bring this on board at Maverick but yeah it it was the, the uptake by the team has been so cool and also seeing what people have chosen to spend their money on as well I think like yeah. you know, lots of foodies and stuff but one of our um, team members gave a big bunch of flowers to her grandma in a rest home and yeah. you're just lifting other people's days you know someone did a did a voucher to a local hairdresser who's works on her own and has challenges of her own and things like that so mm. it was really cool insights into people's personalities as to how they chose to spend their cash yeah yeah definitely <laughs> I think I've seen probably four or five share what they did online and yeah it has been interesting some have had a big splurge and spent it all in one place and others have broken it up but it's it's actually been really interesting as well because when they share those photos it makes me look at those businesses and say that's really cool and of course I'm not in Auckland but that's not to say that I won't go and shop there yeah you are really sharing the love it's not just about the investment. It was also about encouraging them to really promote it through through their channels as well, because yep. New Zealand's such a small place. And next time you're here, we're like in, you know, an awesome florist and a wicked butcher and a wicked coffee place in Albany. Oh, and, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, you're paying it forward with, with coverage as well as the actual spend. So, yeah. 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 Oh, well done. <laughs> so finally, what are you most proud of as an employer? It's a tricky one. I think 
I think navigating the last 18 months as we have been in a really kind of fortunate position and we have we have grown quite quickly over the last few years and I think it's it's easy to be an employer of choice when you're when your team is static when you're not changing and you're not scaling and you're not moving and being agile and responding to growth but but companies that scale quickly employee enjoyment of their workplace tends to go down as the company gets bigger enjoyment and, and culture tends yeah. to go down in terms of engagement scores and we're seeing the opposite and mm. so if, if we can continue to scale as we are but also continue to maintain this awesome level of employee engagement and maintain this employer of choice brand. That's one of the hardest things out there, you know? And I think that also equates to a really cool, I guess, contributor to our local community, to to Auckland and and Gizzy and Queenstown, but also tourism as a whole, if we can kind of be a bit of a shining light as to what best practice is and the way that you can create this wicked team and community around you. Um, I think that's cool. But yeah, definitely scaling while maintaining such good staff culture and employee engagement. Yeah, yeah, hardest thing ever, but also the most rewarding. (laughs) Yeah, I'd never actually thought about that. But when you said that, I can think of many examples where it hasn't gone very well. Yeah, it's so easy to go the opposite. And then then you're just constantly backfilling these roles while you're growing, which takes focus away from quality delivery and client Mm -hmm. enjoyment, all that kind of stuff. So they they need to go hand in hand. And and so often they don't, you know. Mm Hmm, brilliant oh Alex (laughs) thank you so much for joining me today and um, I've really loved hearing the Maverick story and the journey that you've been on and it sounds like you've developed an incredible team culture there so congratulations and all the best for the awards next month and good luck thank you thank you hopefully we'll be there in person and we can celebrate face to face yes let's hope so (laughs) fingers crossed fingers crossed thanks michelle no problem see you later yeah bye Well, there must be something in the water in Northland as we're heading once again to the winterless north this week to discuss resilience and innovation, this time with the Russell Orongo Bay holiday park owners, Tori and James Burns. Kia ora, Tori and James, and welcome to the show. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's Hi. great to have you here. So let's start off by talking about the problem that you needed to solve. Obviously, resilience has been a big topic of discussion in the tourism industry particularly in the last 12 to 18 months but what was it in particular that you identified as a problem that you wanted to solve and what solution did you implement? Well COVID (laughs) (laughs) problem for us generally summer is not too bad we are um, probably about 80% domestic based which has seen us do okay you know through COVID so I mean there's people that have done worse than us but it took away our winter trade we're quite new into the business so we've got quite a few debts hanging over us and it was a bit it was a blow to us that we wouldn't have the international travelers coming to stay and so that was our one thing so we just we took advantage of all the opportunities and funding and everything that came our way because of COVID it was, it was great to have a good look at our strategy and vision and look at our digital and strategic marketing plans, you know, cash flow, everything that came our way, we just, we completely grabbed it and, and ran with it. 
And so we took a good look at who our target markets were, who our customers were, and really focused in on those families and school groups. We'd had a few schools come to visit us in the past. And uh, just looking at the figures, it, it made it quite a good area to focus on. So we looked at how we could get more schools to come up and stay with us, mm-hmm. and which would then fill a bit of a gap for the winter trade. So we then had our problem number two, which was schools tend to do the same thing every year. They go to the same place, they go to the same camp, they do the same things. And then Jacinda made the announcement around their history being a compulsory subject by 2022. And we looked at each other and were like, wow, this is really helpful because what better place to learn the history of New Zealand than Northland? Absolutely. And so Northland has so much amazing history. We're just across from Waitangi, which is a huge part of the New Zealand curriculum, looking at the treaty. And so that was one thing that we thought we would focus on and promote to the schools and see what we could do to support them changing their camps, re-looking at what they're doing. And it kind of went from there. The only problem that we did have, though, sorry, did you want to say something? I was just going to say, and, and Russell, of course, being one of the oldest capital, gives them the, the history side from the at least the European settlement point of view as mm. the integration with the local Maori. So that was a very good, uh, a good start point. So we felt that that was uh, good for us to, to get involved in the history side of it from that perspective, and it may be good for us to shine a light on these schools from where we are. Mm-hmm. And Tori, you said that you had a second issue. What was what was the second? Oh, so the next issue was that we have four young children and our au pair was about to leave us. Oh. Luckily, she was with us through the lockdown, but it's really difficult to find childcare when you're moving around or you're working strange hours. Mm-hmm. And when we looked at the options in Russell, because we do split our time between Auckland and Russell, mm-hmm. um, Uh, we found that there was really limited childcare. Most people, because it's a seasonal area, most people rely on au pairs or they they rely on seasonal workers. Mm -hmm. And none of these people were allowed in the country. It was a a really big issue. And we just didn't know what we were going to do. So the next problem that we solved was looking into a holiday program at the holiday park Mm -hmm. to see whether we could support the local community in their childcare needs and address our own issue at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the other item that well, we addressed. Na- nature-based holiday program because uh, park is full of nature and hmm. that did uh, sort of shine on it for us. Great. Yeah. Everything we've done, we have tried to link into our values at the holiday park. So we have really deep values around kaitiakitanga, manakitanga, just making sure that we everything that we were focusing on had strong ties back to those areas. Mm-hmm. Wow. And do you think with those values and those ties, that's how your business has been able to demonstrate leadership in the tourism industry? I think it's helped. I think we we created these values together to make sure that everybody was really passionate about what the direction we were going into and what we wanted to achieve. It's it's hard, isn't it? Because I don't really see ourselves as leaders. I just see that we did 
what we did to survive. (laughs) It's just kind of evolved into being a little bit out there. It's something that you wouldn't generally see as being linked into tourism businesses, but we've used all of our assets and all our bases that we have from a tourism perspective to address other things in the meantime. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there has been a lot of talk about never wasting a crisis. And it sounds like you guys have actually taken that opportunity to look at new ways. I mean, it's really easy to sit back and say, well, the borders are closed and there's no business coming our way and we'll just sit here and hold tight. But to actually get out there and put yourselves out there and do something different, I think is really commendable. So well done on that. And in turn, that actually then brings you into being a leader in the industry itself. So well, we've never been one to set on our laurels with regard to what we achieve. And, and we've only recently come into the tourism industry, mm-hmm. uh, but both having forms of business background, I think we've learned to be solution finders and and problem solvers in just naturally in what we have to do in our, our day-to-day other entities before we took this on. So I think it was a help that we had those things behind us from the outset. But yeah, as you said, once it was locked down, we went, right, what can we do to overcome? Not, oh dear, what do we do now? Yeah. And I, those things really did shine. And it actually gave us a bit more clarity, I think, on being able to focus on that moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so how have you found your productivity has been impacted by these changes? It's... It has helped us to survive. (laughs) Good. They're quite new initiatives, really. So we're still looking at how it would work. Mm -hmm. Our our staff have been really engaged with it. We've been really lucky to have a great team who are really flexible. We have found hidden talents amongst all our, our staff in everything that we're doing. So just to give you a little bit of an overview of what we are currently doing with schools, So there's three main areas really that we work with the schools on. One is the history, which we've touched upon. The other is cultural. So we found that um, one of our guests at the park who stays with us is a Komatua who has taught cross-cultural education for the last 40 years all over the world. (laughs) Wow, what a gem. I know, we are just so lucky. So he jumped up and offered to help us wherever he can. So he has been really a godsend for our school groups who really want to delve deeper into cross-cultural education. We build fudays, we make hungi, we have waiata and legends around our fire pit. We make it a real cultural experience for the schools and not just the schools. He's also stepped in to support our holiday program. So we, our holiday program, and our first one was all about kaitiakitanga. Second one, we focused on culture. So we built a whare as our base. And then we, every single day, we had a different um, theme. So we decorated our whare on the inside. We decorated it on the outside. We decorated ourselves. The boys became warriors. The girls became <laughs> And, and had mockos on their face and you know we we really are embracing the culture and what our komatua can offer us mm. it's really amazing um so mm-hmm. there's the culture the history and our environment i mean it's really special to us we've won predator free awards because of the work that we do at the park so we've also 
taken that further as well. And we do a lot of work with the local businesses, Project Island Song being an amazing business that are trying to bring birdsong back to the islands in the Bay of Islands. And um, But yeah, just trying to promote those three areas really that we can offer the schools some amazing experiences which are quite unique. And were there any benefits that you achieved along the way that were way beyond what you expected? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know where it was going to take us. We didn't know what we expect, but... The feedback that we've had from schools has been amazing. That the engagement with the local community is just absolutely phenomenal. We've had such support for the holiday program from the locals, people traveling from up to you know 45 minutes away to come to our nature-based holiday program. We've had wow. schools come from Christchurch, Hastings, Napier. So the yeah, the numbers has been huge. Yeah, we've not found that that distance has been too problematic when they understand what they can gain from coming. So it's good but to taper it to their needs as well, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Every itinerary is different. Everything is bespoke to the school, to what they are <laughs> doing at the moment. So apart from making sure getting more of a turnover that we wouldn't have expected in the winter without the internationals. I think the biggest thing for me and the biggest impact for all our employees is the impact that we're having on children's lives. Mm. That's, the, mm. that's the one thing that I never expected to hit us as much, the emotional side of it. I, mm. When you hear their reflections around the fire pit about the experiences they've had, when you hear, when you see a group of students that have never left the city, never left Auckland, never seen anything else, never seen a chicken free ranging, never you know, seen a wecker walking around pecking. And a lot of these kids come really hyped up. And when they leave, they have a sense of calmness around them. And it's just, you've been a part of this huge change in them. Mm. And this, and- um, Influence, yeah, great influence on them. And, yeah. and it gives them another perspective perspective I think to, to understand the world is a much bigger place yeah than city or, or just a location that they live in and we're part <clears> of a memory that they'll never forget and I think that's what mm. that's the biggest thing for me is not the money mm. side of it or any what yeah. we set out to do to increase our turnover it's actually the impact that we're having on on these children's lives that's Wow. that's awesome yeah I think we all remember times from our childhood when we were impacted like that on school camps or with specific teachers and that kind of yeah. thing so yeah that's really cool and it must be so rewarding to hear that for for you guys you also have a teacher or your favorite place that you went to as a kid and uh, yeah. maybe some of these kids will come back one day and say we stay with you when we were kids and, and that will reflect really well absolutely yeah. definitely yeah. So how do you make innovation a core part of your business planning and product development process from here? It's something that we're always looking at. We're always looking at the experiences that people have had with us. We review feedback. We review the programs that we have in place each time to identify any areas that we need to improve on. We're in regular communication with our community, with teachers, with the schools, and making sure that we're, what we're doing is actually wanted, that it's relevant, and that we're keeping up to date with any changes. 
and we're always looking at what else is out there as well so we look at any competition to us mm-hmm. businesses that are doing new things that we think are pretty special as well that we can you know take take a few tips and hints from other amazing people so you're always really evaluating and looking to improve your initiatives as you go along is that what you're kind of saying and do you include your team yeah. in in that discussion and are they part of that conversation well we have um, regular team meetings and and go through the team meetings, take minutes, take notes, take ideas. And uh, if they're good, and then we implement them or we look at them. And yeah, we continually evolve. It's, it's just an ongoing organic process for us. I don't think we have been one to just sit back and watch the world pass. It's something that we know that if we can improve it and make it even better, we can give even more people better experience. And I think that's how we've always been. Hmm. And so it works for us. Our team have been involved, fully immersed in our activities. So one of our um, team members is using recipes from her tupuna to make bread with the kids when we do our hungi. Our manager in her previous life did catering. So she has taken on a catering role as well. And Yeah. yeah, it's just been amazing how everybody's kind of stepped in, stepped up as part of the art of the hungi that we do with the um, students they invite our staff members as guests mm-hmm. so they entertain for them they they make the food and so it's always yeah very much involving everybody on site and also local businesses as well come along talk to the schools and they get invited along as well to the hungi and yeah it's very much a community and employee involved kind of activity wow Well, Tori and James, thank you so much for chatting with us this week. We really loved learning about your business and that story that you've just told. And now you'll be back again next week. So you are also finalists in the Community Engagement Award. So we'll chat again with you then. Kakadei. Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you so much. Nice to speak to you.